past uh, several weeks, we've been uh, on a, a series that we called How to Discourage Discouragement. And uh, we had a lot of uh, response to that in the sense of people ordering CDs, knowing someone that uh, needs that. And I believe that that is a topic that hits close to home with all of us because we all face the opportunities for discouragement. And uh, discouragement itself, our goal in this, in regards to discouragement, is to recognize and stop discouragement from working in our lives. We can't necessarily stop discouragement at altogether, but we can recognize it instantly and say, I'm not going to be moved by that. I'm not going to allow it to stop me in life, because that's exactly what discouragement seeks to do. Discouragement seeks to stop us from moving forward in life. Discouragement wants us backed up into a corner, weak and powerless and doing nothing, feeling inept. And that's not what God created us for. Amen. He created us to be winners. He created us to be overcomers. For example, though, let, let's, let's use a runner as an example. The runner who's in a race is guaranteed to face discouragement. It's going to happen. Uh, discouragement's going to come along and seek to get the runner to stop giving their best. They may not stop running in the race, but they may be discouraged enough to just not give it their all, not give it 110%. You see, the ugly voice of discouragement says, they're catching up. You might as well accept defeat. After all, you've lost. Look how fast your opponents are running. You'll never win. Just give up. And so in that situation, what they might do is kind of back down a little bit. And that's what the devil seeks to do in our life. He wants us to back down. He wants us to back off. He doesn't want us pressing into the things of God. He doesn't want us in this life to pursue what God has called us to do, to be able to walk out the fullness of it. Why is that? Because in this life, the Bible compares our life in following the Lord as a race. It's called the race of faith. It's a race to, listen to me carefully, it's a race to complete, not to compete. Okay, We're not in a race to compete with one another. We are in a race, all of us, in a race to complete what God has called us to do. This is revealed to us in Hebrews chapter 12. We're encouraged here. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 in the New Living it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now look what it says. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now stop right there. Everybody say this with me. There's a race. Everybody say it with me. Come on. There is a race set before me. Is that what the Bible says? There is a race set before us. Does everyone have a race set before them? That's what the Bible says right here. Look again. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now listen, my race is different than your race. Your race is different than your neighbor's race. We all have a different race. That race again is not run necessarily on who gets there the fastest, but it is simply to complete our race. 
It is to, when we reach the end, by the end, when we cross the finish line, basically what we should have accomplished is everything God has called us to do up to that point. We have finished our race. You hear Paul talk about it later. I've run my race. I finished my course. What was he saying? I've done, I believe, everything that God has called me up to this point. And in that, he even had a choice. He said, you know what? I really want to go home and be with the Lord. (laughs) In other words, I've done my part. I want to go home and be with the Lord. But nevertheless, for your sakes, I'll stay. Why? Because you need me. How many of you know somebody who's run their race has got some wisdom to share? Amen. If they've run their race of faith in their life, they've got some things they can share that can help you. Amen. Now, this is exactly how Jesus kept from being discouraged. Look at verse 2. So Hebrews 12, 1, I mean 12, verse 2. We do this, we're running our race, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How do we run our race with endurance? How do we keep going? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now look at the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. How many believe that Jesus had an opportunity to be discouraged? Dear Lord, I mean, talk about... You, could, you look at him and you say he was cursed. Well, he was. He was taking on the curse. I mean... Everything is going wrong. Everybody's denying him. Everybody turned their back on him, including the Father. I mean, everybody turned their back. You think he had an opportunity to be discouraged? Absolutely. But he didn't. Why? Because he kept his eye on the prize. Okay? Everybody say the prize. What's the prize? The prize is there at the end of your race. In other words, you kept your eye on the prize. What's the prize for us? Jesus. Fulfilling the call and plan that he had for our life. Well, Jesus kept his eye on the prize. You and I were part of that prize. Aren't you glad that Jesus kept going? Aren't you glad that he didn't quit? Aren't you glad in the garden that he said, enough's enough. I'm just going to call legions of angels and wipe the whole thing out and start over again. Aren't you glad he didn't? Aren't you glad Jesus isn't moody, emotional, you know, and just went by how he felt? Because I'm sure there's many a times, I mean, if God went by how he felt, we probably would have been wiped out a number of times. (laughs) I mean, he'd start to race over, race over, race over, you know. I mean, he could have gone a number of different ways, but praise God he didn't give up on us. In other words, that's how Jesus kept from being discouraged. He kept his eye on the prize. He focused on his race. And we were part of that, again, that prize. When things in tough, when things go tough in life, and they will, and discouragement is trying to get us to stop running our race, what we have to do is come to a real Jesus moment in our life. You ever, you ever hear that phrase, a come to Jesus moment, like there's a serious issue, you know? They even use that in a secular thing, they might say, you know? Have a come to Jesus moment. But what, we, what I mean is we come to realize that sometimes we're facing discouragement in such a strong way and there's no one in life encouraging us. There's no one there except one, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's encouraging us, right? God never, 
ever just lets us go and say you're on your own. He's the only one. Well, in that, what we have to do is encourage ourselves in the Lord. You may end up in a situation, probably already have in life, where you had to encourage yourself in the Lord because there wasn't anybody else. And so I had to stir myself back up. For example, if I'm facing something and no one else is encouraging and I'm feeling down, then what I'll do is I'll encourage myself in the Lord. I'll stir myself up. And what I might do is something like, kind of like slap myself a little bit and tell myself it's time to keep on moving and I'll begin to confess the Word of God. I'll begin to say the Lord is for me. Who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I begin to praise God for his word. What happens? I, that strength, that, that, that encouraging thing with me pressing into the Lord is helping me. Amen? The Bible tells us what to do when everything is falling apart in our life. Go to Jesus. Everybody say, go to Jesus. Amen? Go to him. Get on your knees and tell him, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't, I'm at the end of the rope. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to handle this. And if you'll stay with him, he will encourage you. He will help you. He'll give you what you need. That's how we encourage ourselves in the Lord. Dave, this is what David did when he found his back against a wall. When he didn't know what to do, when everything was falling apart. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. This is the Amplified It says, David was greatly distressed. Not a little distressed, greatly distressed. For the men spoke of stoning him because the souls of all them were bitterly grieved, each man for his sons and daughters. In other words, there was great loss here. But look what the Bible says. But David encouraged and strengthened himself and the Lord his God. In other words, sometimes you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. And as you do that, the Lord will help you. He'll help stir you up and get you back on the saddle. You know, what did we do with with a kid who fell off his bike when you're training him? Oh, you know, and we can give that up. You obviously aren't cut out for it. (laughs) What did we do? We kissed the boo-boo, we helped him, we put him back on the bike, and pushed him a little further. Why? Because you've got to learn to get back up on the bike. You've got to learn to get back up on the horse. You can't quit. Everybody say, can't quit. That's not us. We don't quit. Amen? That's what discouragement seeks to do in our life. To cause us to quit. To give up. To not see any hope. But praise God, there's always hope in the Lord. And that's what we're, where we're going to go today. I have a simple message today on this. Staying positive in a negative world. Staying positive in a negative world. So let's start here. Everybody knows here that an optimist sees the best in the world, right? And a pessimist sees only the worst. An optimist finds the positive in the negative, where the pessimist can only find the negative in the positive. And so let me give you an example of this. You ready? Everybody say, I'm listening. There was an avid duck hunter who was in the market for a new bird dog. He searched uh, and he finally found the perfect dog. This dog could actually walk on water to retrieve a duck. So shocked by his find, he was sure none of his friends would ever believe him. So he decided to break the news to one of his friends. And this guy was a pessimist by nature. And he invited him to hunt with him and his new dog. 
And as they waited by the shore, a flock of ducks flew by. They fired and a duck fell. The dog responded and jumped into the water. The dog, however, did not sink when he jumped into the water, but instead walked across the water to receive the bird, never getting any more water than the bottom of his paws. This continued all day long. Each time a duck fell, the dog, <laughs> the dog would just trot across the surface of the water to retrieve it. Well, the pessimist watched carefully all day long and noticed everything but never said a single word. On the drive home, the hunter asked his friends, Did you notice anything unusual about my new dog? I sure did, the pessimist responded. Your dog can't swim. Anybody ever met someone like that? That no matter how good things are, no matter how wonderful they are, they can find something negative about it. They can pick on something. What we need to do is learn to be a positive person. Listen to this statement. Having a positive attitude about everything in life is a preemptive strike against the force of discouragement. Let me say that again. I want you to listen closely. Having a positive attitude about everything in life is a preemptive strike against the force of discouragement. We live in a very negative world. I don't believe anybody would deny that. How how does the news start every evening? With a positive, cheerful story? Or usually, disaster, da-da-da. In fact, they'll go through about three seconds each of all the disasters in the world, in the U.S., and maybe a local you know, city. And then, the, then what they'll do is they'll review. And maybe somewhere in there, they'll slip in one itty-bitty little positive story you know, that might brighten your day after listening to 20 minutes of depression. I mean, think about it now. The news isn't newsworthy unless it's negative. That's the way it runs. We live in a very negative world. In this life, you and I are swimming upstream against the current of negativity. Now, the Word says in Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is that telling us? I want you to think like Jesus. Everybody say it with me. Think like Jesus. Okay. In other words, this Word is saying, I want you to approach life the way Jesus would approach life. A, a better way of looking at this verse is this. Philippians 2.5 in the New Living Translation says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I really like that. Because attitude is everything. And Jesus had a certain attitude and we're told to copy it. To look at Jesus and say I'm going to be like, I'm going to see life with the same attitude Jesus had. I believe, how many would agree Jesus was a positive person, right? He wasn't around pointing out all the negative things. I believe that it takes a lot of faith to have a constant positive attitude in the face of constant negativity. And I mean, I'm telling you, Jesus faced his share of negative attitudes. Everywhere, good things could happen. Think about it. He gets a bunch of group of people and there's healings left and right and miracles and signs and wonders and all these good things. And then someone will come say, how dare you do that on the Sabbath? How dare you do these good, wonderful, awesome things on a day like today? Now, wouldn't you think, dude, come on. I mean, God just did these awesome things right in front of your eyes. He didn't see a thing. 
All he sees is you did it on the Sabbath. You broke the law. Think about that for a minute. Everywhere you go, Jesus faced this negative attitude, and all he did was what? The Bible tells us. What did he do? He went around what? Doing good. Doing, everybody say, doing good. How many would agree doing good is positive? <laughs> he wasn't, was he hurting anybody? Was he ever not a blessing? Was he ever not helpful? Was he ever not good? He was setting people free. He was doing good constantly, yet constantly ridiculed. No one was ridiculed more than Jesus. He was constantly berated to the point that what? Crucify him. Anybody here ever been cru- you know, told that we're going to crucify you for your attitude and what you've been doing? That you stand out so much that, you know, think about that. Here he is only doing good and somebody else crucify him. That didn't even make sense. Even to some of the people there, the guys in charge, he didn't do anything wrong, guys. I mean, they couldn't see the logic, but because they didn't want a big uproar, they just went with the crowd. Anybody over here went with the crowd because you didn't want to stand apart? That's a good lesson right there. Amen? I'm going to stand with Jesus every time. Why? Because Jesus always will stand with me. Amen? He'll never let me go. But sometimes to stand with Jesus... You stand outside the norm. Well, that's a whole other thought there. But All right, so what I want to do, everybody say this with me, staying positive in a negative world. So what we're going to do is give you six things or six areas of life, things that you can do to help you stay positive. This is real simple. I'm just going to move along, okay? And so I encourage you to take notes. And if you just write one, two, three, four, five, six, and leave a little bit of space, Number one, think positive thoughts. Real easy. So your, your thought life is very important. Philippians 4, 8 in the New Living tells us, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In other words, is what we think about important? The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So in other words, our thought life matters. It is important. Some Christians, though, fail to discipline their thinking. They allow themselves to think on uh, negative things. They allow it to dominate their life. They're constantly thinking negative thoughts, and those thoughts are driving them. You and I as a Christian, listen carefully, you and I as a Christian must take intentional action action regarding replacing negative thoughts with positive ones you cannot stop negative thoughts from trying to get in your mind but you don't have to dwell on them anybody here don't raise your hand all right but been caught thinking about things that are like whoa i would never want that broadcast anywhere if you're honest you know, you'd say, oh yeah, I got a lot of, in fact, most of my thoughts, I would prefer not to be put on that screen where everybody can just read them in real time, you know? I mean, I don't, that, that's very, aren't your thoughts very personal? I mean, they're, they're you and you certainly don't want to share all those thoughts, those intimate thoughts, especially when you catch yourself thinking about something that would almost embarrass you, Right? I mean, if no one in the world ever knew about it, but you know about it, it still bothers you. 
That's a thought you definitely wouldn't want out there, right? What we think about matters. It is important. We need to be aware of that. Well, there are some that don't discipline their thoughts at all. They just let their mind wander. When you catch yourself wandering in an area, for example, that's negative, that says you're going to fail, that you're not going to get healed, that this isn't working, you need to grab it, address it, and say, no, I'm not thinking that way. You know, when people are going through an illness, for example, and they're fighting this thing and fighting this thing and not seeing a lot of progress, their mind can wander. Now, the devil's helping some, of course, but their mind can wander and they don't realize the battleground is taking place in their thought life. That they have to never allow themselves to see themselves anything but what God's Word says. But the only way to think like God's Word says is to do what? Have that Bible and be looking at it consistently. You're not going to think like God says watching the soap operas. You're not going to think like God says watching the news. You're not going to think like God says listening to everybody all the time. You have to make an intentional effort to say, no, I'm going to replace those negative thoughts with positive ones. In other words, Christians have to work extra hard to have an optimistic outlook, to be positive. Number two, we must hear positive sounds. Now, I know that sounds strange, but what I mean is hear positive sounds or only listen to positive things, which is primarily the Word of God. The Word says, Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. Say it with me. I hear the voice of God. You do. You hear Him. That's what the Bible says. If you're listening, if you're opening yourself up, well, if you're listening to Him, focus on Him and not the negative things that are out there. And there's a lot of that kind of junk. Does it matter what we listen to? Absolutely. You, you remember when you were when your children were younger and you would say, what, I don't like you hanging around with that person or that person because they're a, what, a bad influence. In other words, I don't like how they talk. They're mouthy. Why did you want to remove your child from that situation? Because you knew it would influence them. It would impact them. What they hear is going to impact them. Why, sh- why would you not let a, a, a six-year-old sitting there in a movie that's got constant cuss words? Because you didn't want your six-year-old going to school blankety, 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 blank, 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 and they wouldn't even know what they're talking about. Am I right? I mean, you know... I mean, do you ever hear a six or seven year old cuss? And you just look at them thinking, they didn't even know what they said. And they're just giving it to you left and right. You know, and why? Because they were in that environment. That's what they heard. Is it harmful? If we hear negative things, bad things, you're not getting healed. It's not working. You're going to fail. This is happening. The economy's bad. This is never working. That, is that going to affect your faith? Is it going to affect you? Absolutely. Do not think for one moment that you can constantly hear negative things and it not affect you. It's going to impact you. It's going to come out of you. You're like a sponge. And you're going to react on whatever you're full of. So if you're not full of life, what are you full of? The opposite. If you're not full of positive things, what are you full of? Negative things. 
And so that's what's going to come out of you. Amen? It's important that we don't just listen to anything, that we're choosy. You know, I have one of my relatives that constantly picks on me because I won't watch certain, like, ratings or certain shows, you know? And they say, but, but, but it's a really good show. It's a really authentic show. And I'm like, yeah, but there's certain words in there I do not want to hear. I don't want to be around that. Now, if you can take all that language out, <laughs> and there's nothing in particular, then maybe I might watch it, but I'm, I'm not going to do it otherwise. Why? I don't need to hear it. Whatever I keep on hearing, I'm going to get full of, and guess what's going to come out? You guys need a cussing preacher? Blah, 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 blah. How'd that happen? Well, listen, whatever you're full of is going to come out eventually. Somebody, and I, I, I've seen a, couple, <laughs> seen a couple of preachers blow it. I mean, just the word came out and everybody, <sighs> in the entire room. And I mean, and it's recorded, you know, and it was going on. And he's like, and then he had to maybe turn it around or make some excuse for what happened, you know. And, and you know, he's human. He made a mistake. But the fact is, again, maybe he was hearing a little too much of that. Maybe he was around, you know, I remember one time, I, I'll, I'll never forget this, an old uh, uh, kid I had in youth, he went off to the army, you know, right out of high school, and he was gone for a couple of years, and he came back, and, and uh, he, he uh, <laughs> it was me, I was the youth pastor, then you had my pastor, then you had the senior pastor, and we're all talking to him at the same time, and the F word came out of him at least 100 times in five minutes. And we're all just stunned looking at him. Do you know who's in front of you? I mean, do you, you know, and normally, don't get me wrong, I'm not naive. If I were around a sinner and they cuss, do you think I'm going to fall apart? What do sinners do? Sin. I mean, I'm not going to get shocked. But when a Christian who grew up in church that I pastored, that these guys pastored, you know, and he just, blah, 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 blah. and finally, I, I leaned over at him a little bit and I said, do you know what's coming out of your mouth? And I mean at least a hundred times in five minutes. He had that word in every single sentence he said without realizing. And now, if you've not been around someone that's been in the military, I wouldn't, you know, you might not be so shocked because sometimes it just happens. They just get around it so much. My son, when I, I greeted him, the first time I saw him when he graduated, I mean, uh, got a boot camp, and his first word was, something you know <laughs> something and he caught himself sorry dad <laughs> you know and he was like i that's all i've heard that's all he's heard for six months and so it just came out and he really you know and after that i could tell we'd sit at dinner you know and everything he came out and he'd he'd be telling a story and he'd just start and he'd catch himself <laughs> you know and almost blow it you know there was a couple incidences he blew it but most of them he catch himself but what i'm saying is does what we hear the environment or wind impact us so if we're on a negativity if we're around things that are negative it's not helping you amen number three see positive sights see positive sights hebrews chapter 12 the beginning of verse 2 looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who are we to look at we're looking unto Jesus, right? He's the one we're to look at. Is Jesus positive? Is he a good role model? Should we be looking at him saying, that's what I want to be like? He's the one I'm pursuing. 
we need to see positive sights. In other words, some Christians constantly look for the bad in people and circumstances. They only see the faults and negatives. Okay, You know, I've been in a kind of a supervisory role for a long, long time. Okay, and I, 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 In a leadership role. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen a lot of bad in church I, over the years. I've seen a lot of negative things, a lot of things that, like, man, that, that should not be, that ought not be in, in this kind of environment. So, and when I dealt with teenagers, I would really get involved in families, and I would find out a lot of things, and not on purpose, I wasn't being nosy, it was just part of the ministry, part of what I was doing, and there was also a lot of experiences. When you, when you open the doors to a ministry, a lot of people come in with every excuse under the book to try to get money, to get help. Well, what they want is they want some alcohol money. They want some cigarette money. They want some drug money or whatever. They're just giving you this story, so you have to weed through it. Well, when they come the 10th time, you begin to understand where they're coming from, and you know that they're lying, because how many times can you go to one city? when they're trying to travel from here to here, and they give you the same story over and over. I'm thinking, well, how many times has your mom died now? Because you don't, re- you don't recall, but I remember you, and you've told me the same story four times. You know, Well, my mom is, is dying, and she's, you know, I want to see her before. You know, and you've told me the story five times. You know? So are they lying? You bet they're lying, but they're a Christian. How can a Christian lie? And so with me, and, and honestly, I can begin to what? I can begin to see the seedier side of things. I begin to look for the negative because I'm trying to find that hole. Are they telling me the truth or not? In other words, should I automatically, when someone tells me something, believe them? Should that be my first inclination? How many would agree? You should believe them. How many would agree? You want to... Look, what, is the, what does love do? Love believes the best of every person. You should want to believe the best. You should lean positive instead of looking for the negatives immediately. Well, I could get to where I would look for the negatives. I, could, I would find myself being very negative about people. Why? Because there's always some angle. There's always something they're trying. There's always something that, you know, and you can get in the ministry, you can get very hard. You can get very, whether, you, whether people realize or not, they're always thinking everybody's playing an angle. Is everybody playing an angle? No. Most people are good, honest, hardworking people. How many of you believe that about Americans? I don't care if they're illegal or not. Are they just plain good, hardworking people minding their own business? How many would agree with me? That's most people. Not say, it's like saying every cop is bad. Every this is bad. If they're this color, they're bad. That's wrong. How many would agree? No, there's a small percentage of every group that screwed up, (laughs) even in the church. But that doesn't mean we need to be negative. We need to see the positive. We need to look for the good, amen, in everyone. To be a positive person, we need to look for the good and look to Jesus. We can't allow ourselves, what I'm trying to say is, I can't control other people, but I don't want to be one that constantly sees the negative. I want to see the positive. Amen? Number four, we need to speak positive words. Again, staying positive in a negative world. Speak positive words. Psalm 105, the latter part of Psalm 105, verse 2, 
says, tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. In other words, what are we supposed to be talking about? The goodness of God, positive things in life, not negative. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, listen carefully everyone, don't let any corrupt word come out of your mouth. Now what is corrupt? Anything negative, anything twisted, anything that's a lie, anything that's bad. Don't let those things come out your mouth. Only speak positive things. Let me ask you this. If we know that life and death is in the power of tongue, in the tongue, how many believe that? We believe that. So why would I ever let anything negative out of my mouth? I don't want anything to do with anything negative. I don't want anything to do with any death. I don't want anything to do with anything that's not involved with the Lord. So I'm only going to say what? I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak positive things. I'm going to speak good things. Amen? Some people, all they talk about are the bad or negative things that have happened to them all the time. And the minute something bad happens, they pick up the phone and they call someone who wants to listen to it. And they, you know, and they start giving them all the bad. Listen, we don't want to be that way. Amen? Some people are downright mean anybody met someone like that mean unkind cussing all the time always picking on things we should be talking positively seeking to glorify god in what we say glorify god in all that we say his goodness his grace his love amen number five perform positive deeds or actions perform positive deeds actions speak louder than words. Colossians 3.23. And whatever you do. Everybody say whatever. What does whatever mean? Whatever. Right? Whatever. So that means everything we do. Whatever you do. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. The deeds of many are negative. They're selfishly motivated. Dishonest. Displeasing to God. Our actions should reflect how much we love the Lord, how much we're pursuing Him. We need to be truthful, ready to lift those who are down. In other words, we're not picking on anybody and saying, hey, listen, you dug your hole, you get your way out of it. You know, that ought not be us. You know, my kids several times as they were growing up, you know, they, I, wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself hard. I was firm where I needed to be firm. And when I corrected them or jested them after they did something wrong, I made a firm commitment with them that I would treat them like my Heavenly Father treats me. How many believe that our Heavenly Father, when we ask Him to forgive us in the name of Jesus, He does? Is it forgotten? Is He ever going to bring it up again? No. Well, I would do my best with my kids that if they did something wrong and they came to me and they confessed it, that I would forgive them and I would do my best. Now, I was not perfect. But I did my best never to bring that issue up again because that's my relationship with my father and I wanted to pass that on. Well, there were several times that my kids, you know, as they were teenagers, like every other teenager, they'd get into mischief sometime and do something stupid or make a dumb decision that had some, you know, some things happen behind it and they'd finally have to come to me and, and confess it and they were shocked at my response. They expected me to yell and holler and scream and go nuts, and I didn't. I just, you know, look at them and say, well, if you really do mean that you learned something from this and you really are repentant, in other words, you really are 
you, you were sorry you did this, you, 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 you won't do it again, then I'm going to believe you. And so that's all that's necessary. Now, if there's some restitution that needs to be done, then we'll deal with it. But the fact is, they were shocked at how I responded, you know, how I did something. When they got to be 18, they really were overwhelmed. Why? I did nothing. What am I going to do? You're 18 years old. You're out of high school. I, I mean, there's only so much I can do. Now, if you want to act like a heathen, you're not living here. But what I'm trying to say is, I didn't get in their business necessarily, unless it was something huge. They were shocked at that. Why? Because I was dad. They just kind of assumed the worst. Well, that's what I'm saying. Perform positive deeds. In other words, people are watching your life, are they not? And people are looking at how you react to situations, especially bad ones right in front of them. How you react at the grocery store when everything's falling apart. And I mean, one thing goes wrong after the other really says a lot about your character. But if you blow up and you just go nuts and all, what is that? And then you want to say, hey, Jesus will set you free. No one's going to listen to you. In fact, that's why I think a lot of the world is turned off by Christians. They, They talk about everyone needs Jesus and they talk about all these good things. But then they act and live like the rest of the world. There's no difference between them. Should there be a difference between us and sinners? Absolutely. The life of God is in us. There should be a difference in our life. But see, a lot of Christians are drinking the same stuff, telling the same dirty jokes, watching the same dirty movies. They're going to the same dirty places. They're doing the same thing. But then they're going to church on Sunday and telling people about the Lord. You're not going to have any impact on anybody doing that. Any good amens on that one? (laughs) No. <laughs> Real quiet. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Number six, and lastly, attend positive places. So we're again talking about being positive. Attend positive places. Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. In other words, Christians hurt their influence when they go to places that are not good places to go for entertainment they don't need to be there they don't need to be around that they're hurting their influence and they're hurting they're hurting jesus why because listen to me you've heard the the phrase you may be the only jesus anybody ever sees but it's absolutely the truth jesus is in heaven and lives inside us here on earth and we're supposed to be walking talking like jesus acting like him amen thinking like him dealing with things like him we need to be a positive Christian. They, people need to look at our life and they see us and see where we go and how we react and they notice there's something different about us. How come they don't lose their cool? How come that even under in any circumstances, no matter how bad it is, they always find the joy in it? They always, they always find something good about it. They're always uplifted. They're different than other people. They never, they never gossip. They never backbite. They never talk about other people. Listen to me carefully. Hang around God and he'll hang around you is basically what I'm saying. Go to places that God would hang around. How many believe that God's not hanging around bars? He's not. He's not hanging around a strip joint. Oh, they call him gentleman club. What a laugh, isn't it? Ain't no gentleman in there. (laughs) I mean, what I'm trying to say is any environment that doesn't 
uplift, that's not positive, we shouldn't have any part of is what I'm trying to say. So what I'm trying to say with all these things is this. Let's review real quick. Number one, think positive thoughts. Number two, hear positive sounds. Listen to good things. Number three, see positive sights. That's how you see the world. Number four, speak positive words. Let life come out of your mouth. Number five, perform positive deeds. Do whatever you do as unto the Lord and not to men. And number six, attend positive places. Let's practice having a positive attitude. Let's be more like Jesus. Amen. The more, listen to me carefully. Listen closely to this statement. The more positive we are, the more positive we are, the harder it is to be discouraged. Amen? The more positive outlook you have in life, the harder it is to be discouraged. In other words, it's kind of like taking a, a being vaccinated for discouragement. You know, it's In other words, prepping yourself up. We know discouragement is going to come. How many would agree? Is, discouragement is going to come, but how we deal with it determines our success or failure in life. That's how we started the whole message. And so we want to shake off discouragement. I want nothing to do with discouragement. And I want to be able to have weapons that defend against it because discouragement is my enemy. Discouragement is the force that seeks to stop me from going forward in life. And so I don't know about you, but I want to move forward. And I want to move forward as easily as possible.